Hello, 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 and welcome. So this is the bonus episode, everybody. And I have got my friend here. Here's Jesse. Say hello, Jesse. Hello. So this is the first ever guest on the podcast. How does it feel to be the first ever guest? I feel very, very honoured to be invited on. <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm going to be getting more guests and things like this because I think it's really great to, you know, share experiences share stories and overall just you know give you guys more to listen to so we're gonna start off from pretty much the beginning so um me and jesse were friends from mansfield a little small town in fact actually we did um a theater company together which um yeah i wouldn't say we'd do now but it was it was an experience it was um very interesting and we were like <laughs> we were like partnered together at one point weren't we i believe so yes was there's it? still pictures of us i remember there's just one picture i'll i'll never forget we're in um silver glittery waistcoats and i think we have top oh, hats on yeah and i still think that's the first picture and it always <laughs> pops up on facebook naturally <gasps> what a throwback eh and i remember i swear we did like um what's that song from the oh, is it chitty chitty bang bang um no, we did, um, it was Zero to Hero oh. from Hercules. We were paired on that. And I'll always remember, this was my first experience of singing as part of a group. Yeah. And when we were going through it with the sort of musical director that we had, he split, there was four of us initially. And I was told that I'd be on the bass line. And I was like, my voice definitely isn't that low. Yeah. And a couple of years later, it was very, very evident that I was not a bass. I was a bloody soprano, <sighs> which is the complete opposite end of the scale. Yep. So how I ended up with this bottom line during this song, I don't know. But luckily, oh we didn't stick to that version. I think in the end, it was split between me and you. Oh, fair, fair. Well, there you go, folks. It started off Zero Tero. Maybe we should watch her Hercules and reminisce. Mm, and I'll now never, ever forget the lyrics to that song. I'd actually love to hear you do that bass line now. Oh, I can't even remember the harmony of that. <laughs> It'd be right down here, and I definitely haven't got the vocal range for that. I really remember being like, what's the fast bit in the song? It's like, pretty pecs or something. You got that wrong all the time. It was like a tongue twister for you, and I don't know what you ended up singing, but it definitely wasn't the proper lyrics. I don't know, but they gave a dyslexic that. So I think it's their fault, basically. But yeah. So we're both from Manatee, as we call it. Um, but you went to a different school, just yeah. Which, um, if you're from Mansfield, you know what that is. But it's actually Woodhouse, but we just call it Wooders for some reason. It's like Manatee. We just, you know, you just have those sort of sayings, really. Um, and now we both live in London. We actually live in a house together. How exciting! Bet you bloody love having me as a housemate, a- and you're not allowed to say any it. different. Absolutely love it. Because you're on here, I'll say my favourite. Not just. <laughs> um, so yeah, we both lived in Mansfield, and I don't know, but like now living in London, so many people ask, like, what's Mansfield like? So, go on, give them a little. What is Mansfield like? It's very difficult to say because I'm one of those people where I can talk bad about the place that I'm from kind of like those family members where you'll happily ridicule them but the moment that someone else does you get really protective of it yeah and I kind of feel like that about Mansfield it's my hometown I have good memories there in terms of growing up and I'll always be sort of protective of it but I'm also very aware that growing up living there and then coming out of it how negative it can be Mm -hmm. and I mean that in the sense of I think it's quite an insular town. Um, The community is great that you have a sense of community, but it's very isolated. So I feel like there isn't much of a worldview outside of Mansfield. So I always, when I think of the people that haven't left Mansfield and had no intention of ever leaving Mansfield or seeing beyond the borders of that town... They're the people that I feel a bit sorry for because they've not experienced a wider culture. And they won't know that because they would have been to Benidorm or... Skeg Vegas. Yeah. So they've they've been away, but they've not been away from the ideals that they've grown up with. 
everyone from Mansfield goes on holiday to the same places. Yeah, I every, think it's, it's... Everybody goes to Skeg Vegas, which is Skegness, which is an absolute shithole, but... Um, if you're bougie, you go to Cornwall. Yes, but it's bloody miles, isn't it? Bloody and miles I would... to get to Cornwall from Mansfield. Yeah, it's a road trip thing though, isn't it? Yeah, and they do all go to Benidorm. It's the same... Oh, it's just the, it's just the same people. And yeah, I completely agree. If you're still in that small town bubble, you do sort of just stay in the small town bubble... And I don't think Mansfield's the only place. I think of a, a lot of small towns, particularly, I would say, maybe above Birmingham, are probably going to yeah. be like that. Yeah. And they all, yeah, everyone knows each other's business. Like, everyone just knows what's going on, which is great sometimes because it's like, oh, you can walk down the street, say hello, and it's really nice to, you know, be greeted and just, you can have more of a positive day. But then there's also the other side of it that, I don't know, when you were younger or whatever and you were doing something you probably shouldn't be doing if someone saw you it could get back to your mum and dad sorry guys we did it we did just have to do a little pause there because uh, jesse just had a little let out a little pump and um <laughs> you know i don't think you guys necessarily want to hear a little pump on this podcast but no we'll be Enjoy. open about <laughs> most things but definitely not my um gas <laughs> as <So> yeah <laughs> back to the point um Mansfield is a small town. People, everyone knows each other's businesses. And if you're doing something you shouldn't, your mum could find out. That was where my experience, I think, differed a little bit. Because I actually never felt like I was part of the Mansfield community. I felt like I was very much Mansfield, Woodus, that kind of thing. Mm. But in terms of outside my school friends and their parents, I didn't have that same sense of community that everyone else seemed to have. In the sense of... I didn't go to a supermarket and bump into 10 people that I knew or somehow my mum knew. Mm -hmm. And I don't know whether that is because my family were very much in and out of Mansfield instead of staying really well knit. And in fact, my dad and my dad's side of the family are from Hucknall. So they came into Mansfield briefly and it's my mum and my mum's side of the family that were in Mansfield. But again, at certain points throughout my life, a lot of my family emigrated and then came back so I never got that sense of everyone knowing who I am and me knowing everybody in the town and when you grow up in that town where it feels like that is very much a positive it can feel quite isolating in and of itself because if you feel like you have to honour the small town community and ideology but you physically can't it creates a little bit of an identity crisis because I think for towns like Mansfield, particularly because it's like an ex-miners town and very steeped in working class culture, which we're all very proud of because we've had to overcome the class prejudice there. When it feels like you can't connect to it, it does feel a bit like an identity crisis. Mm. Yeah, and I suppose when you grow up in like a small town and say you've done certain things or you've achieve certain things and you know you're so you sort of get known for that so like for example I did a lot of performing did a lot of dance did a lot of all of that so then you become known for that which is which is good obviously because I still wanted to do it that's what my goal was to do but I suppose if you were wanting to break away from that and you know potentially it's very similar to like in Disney when the you know, the actors are like children and then they want to break away from what they were when they were younger. I suppose that is one of the things that when you're in a little town like that, people still see you as one thing rather than, oh, they're now doing this. Or I I suppose with a small little town like Mansfield, if you break away from the norm, everyone's a bit like, whoa, what's going on? The community or certain people, I think, um, will like you say associate you with doing a particular thing particularly if that thing isn't something that you would typically do from a small town if you said that you were going to follow in your dad's footsteps in laboring then you'd be like yes but you turn around and say you want to be an actor they question it but then they're also rooting for you at the same time Mm. so then it feels like if you do change your mind there's an element of oh okay and there's also like Everyone sort of has the same jobs in Mansfield. Like, you sort of go to school and then 
most people become apprentices and become builders or like it's all the same jobs isn't it no one really does some unless they've moved out they don't really do anything different Mm. I think that's partly down to the education system as it is though because I feel like with us only having sort of I guess your state schools it is very much a case of they've got to stick to their targets because of how pressured they are so you are only or at least when I was still at school it was very much a case of it if you had good grades you were pushed down the university route Mm -hmm. and if not you would then get an apprentice to to be a labourer or if you weren't smart enough in your traditional sense of that sent if you weren't smart enough in your traditional sense of what it means to be school smart you were kind of pushed to the side and it was then that you got the kids who didn't pay attention in class who were happy to be the class clowns because the only thing they could then fall back on would be a bit more of a laborious job because they know they've got to get a job but with a school penalizing them for not being traditionally smart as it is in the educational system they don't get the same support as the kids who are book smart literally i was not book smart at all like the whole school system honestly you literally could not pay me to go back to school if you literally said here's a million pounds go back to school for a year absolutely not absolutely not not worth it whereas I'm the opposite because I probably would but it's because I was one of the academic kids which is where it sort of failed me in later life so because I was good academically I essentially was a bit of a teacher's pet I enjoyed my classes I liked getting the praise for getting something right or for getting good grades but because there was no opposite in a way when I then did start getting, when I then started getting rejections or, um, you know, sort of the way that my upbringing ended up being didn't set me up for later in life because of that. And I think school was to blame for a lot of it. Oh, school's a bag of shit, I think. Yeah. And, well, I literally, I'm dyslexic and ADHD, which school basically did not pick up on at all because I wasn't a problem I could still do the work I wouldn't get like a stars or whatever in English and but I'd get like c's and b's and then in maths I got an a um but in geography and like German would they force me to bloody take still bitter not better um like I just failed them because I was dyslexic and also because I didn't kick up a fuss and I'm a girl so girls have different signs mm. of dyslexia and different signs of ADHD. They never picked up on that. So I think that if I would have potentially been picked up on at school, I think I'd probably have enjoyed it more. I think the British education educator. I think the British. I think the British education system needs a complete overhaul with regards to what subjects it deems a priority for later in life in it fuck me like why do we not learn about taxes why do Mm. we not learn how to have a bank account to do your own finances to you know write letters properly to employees why are we still learning a load of bag of shit at school yeah and don't get me wrong some of the education in fact most of our education does set us up but I think there needs to come a transition in particularly in secondary school where everything you've learned up until a certain point you then start actively applying it to the life skills that you need so like you say learn maths as you need it but then start taking those calculations into stuff like taxes and mortgage rates and interest rates just so that people can understand it's a good place to probably teach inflation so you understand how that works as well so when it happens it doesn't you know you don't get the rug sweeped out from under you well i can confirm i use pythagoras theorem today oh did you absolutely fucking not never (laughs) never why (laughs) would we ever use that yeah but yeah and that's the thing as well is like they turn around and because i remember in class someone saying that when are we ever going to use it like oh well if you want to be an architect you'll need it and it's like well no one in this class wants to be an architect oh my gosh the other day so i was talking to um someone at one of my workplaces daughter who's in year nine and there is so much now uh, like schools are basically stopping students from going in because they've got eyelashes on because they've got makeup on because they've got piercings because they've got colored hair because and i'm just like what 
and we just had this major conversation about how schools just seem to care about the look and mm. all of this and I'm like I get it you want kids to um have a uniform and be strict with that because it just makes all the kids equal and especially for those kids that can't necessarily afford uniform or those things it stops those people coming in with designer clothes and it becoming a competition however if someone if you're sending a kid home because they've got eyelashes on or because they've got a bit of makeup on or they've got a piercing what a what how pointless is that like they're disciplining it the wrong way because yeah. i think i think from from a positive point of view i think when it comes to stuff particularly like makeup they're trying to dispel the myth that you have to be a particular way when it comes to being beautiful because of social media and the like so by removing that i guess that extra you're almost forcing people to confront their natural beauty and so I do see the positive there but I do I think schools aren't communicating that in the right way or if they're no, not doing it for that reason then they need to sit down and have this reasons because I'm still I'm still someone who's a very very much an advocate for school uniforms because I think it unifies everyone it doesn't split you it's like you say if some people have really nice clothes and some people unfortunately can't afford the can't afford them you you don't want to feel shamed for not having yeah it's true i remember oh my god do you remember in school there was the phase of having hollister bags yeah (laughs) and carrying your pe kit in a hollister bag like the bag with the guy with the abs yeah (laughs) why did we do that i don't know and and, oh my gosh jane norman jane norman was a huge one it was like the thing to carry your pee stuff in those bags yeah or a jack wills bag i don't I don't even know why like you could literally go to Hollister and be like can I have a bag please not I've bought any Hollister stuff but if you brought your pee kit in that you were elite you'd be fine it's the same it's the same as well like a lot of the girls in my school had handbags as their school bags they weren't rucksacks they were handbags that you literally slung on your arm and at the end of the day you would go home and the top of your forearm where your elbow is would be red raw because you'd been walking around with your handbag on your arm did you um, did you have those trousers that were like the elasticated trousers but then the elastic would come out of the trousers so it looked like you had little hairs like it sort of looked like pubes coming out of your trousers i know which ones you're talking about but i never actually owned a pair of them i think i had proper school trousers oh, because I like did. i said i was i was a you geek was in school yeah. yeah i wasn't good i wasn't good lol <laughs> so we've got to talk about night out in manny t because it's quite iconic mm-hmm. everybody always says like because now we live in london they're like is there even anywhere to go out in Mansfield? And I'm like, yeah, actually, it's a banging, it's a, it's a banging scene, really. The biggest difference that I didn't realise until obviously we came away from Mansfield is that Mansfield is good because everything and every bar that you go to is so close together. So you're yeah. literally just, you go from, you go to one place, you come out, join the queue for another, going somewhere else. I think I had the shock of my life when I then went to a different town or to a different city and mm-hmm. I had to walk a good 10 minutes to get to the next venue. Oh, awful. Absolutely. Like, Mansfield, all the clubs, they're on the same bit. You can get the taxi from the same bit. You can get your food from the same bit. It's all together, basically. What was um, your traditional route in Mansfield? Because oh, I feel God. like every friendship group had a different has route. a different route that yeah. they do religiously. Okay, I would always prefer Cheeky's first, mm. personally. Cheeky's did, like, one-pound shots, so big up basically it has the best it has the best music <laughs> yeah it has the best music cause it has like throwbacks but also some new stuff and there'd be a drag queen in there sometimes so it was great um there was always there was like tvs in there though and sometimes there was like porn on the tvs wasn't there yeah they made their own <laughs> memes and they just didn't work they were a bit too much sometimes i'm like okay you've definitely done this because you think you're funny instead yeah. of them being actually funny that's like the most mansfield thing isn't it oh 100 percent. like yeah honestly um yeah i was like cheekies and then i'd want to go to after dark oh but i did like a slag and peasant as well did you i did i did yeah so slag and peasant it's not actually called that it's called stag and pheasant it's the weather spoons it's the spoons um other places are available um 
Exactly. But, we know Frosty's around the corner. That's also a Weatherspoons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mansfield had two Weatherspoons around the corner from each other. And at one point there was one in the centre bit as well, wasn't there? Where the market was. There was three. Yes, I can't remember the name of it though. Three spoons. Which, spoil. I mean, that tells you the kind of people that grace <laughs> yeah. the town. Well, so slag and pheasant. No, slag and peasant. We'd call it slag and peasant because most girls in Mansfield were slags. And we were all peasants as well, basically. So it was just a bit of a, <laughs> a running joke, basically. Um, but yeah, you could do like karaoke in there. Always loved a bit of that. And obviously the drinks, get a picture. Um, it was always good. The only disappointing thing about that, but not disappointing, the only annoying thing about the place is the toilets were upstairs. Oh, so and the far. stairs were in the middle of the place. So like you, you couldn't... You had to, one, be careful walking up the stairs if you had a small dress, but also you also felt really conscious about the fact that anyone could look at you walking up and down those stairs. Yeah, they could definitely see your vagina, basically. Or Um, how drunk you were. Yes. I always felt like a bad bitch, though, when you came back down. So if your mates were like, oh, we're going to carry on dancing, and you went up to go to the toilet, and then when you came back down, it was like everyone could see you. It was like... Like a ballroom stairs. Yeah. As someone I mean? who absolutely loved the idea of being like a Disney princess, I yep. definitely had my Disney princess moment walking down those stairs. Yeah, because it had like a massive banister. And I remember when I used to go out, like when I was like 17, lol, um, I would always wear heels. So I'd always be like, de- like strutting down. Yeah. I am definitely strutting required a right strut. now at the microphone. You can't see, but yeah, it's really good strutting. Um, but yeah, Slag and Peasant was one of the, one of the good ones. And then I'd... So I liked After Dark as well. Um, I'd always get a good fish bowl from After Dark. And After Dark had these poles that you could dance on. And they were just very iconic that everyone would just be all over these poles. Um, I often would sit upstairs because it had like an open ceiling so you could see the dance floor below you like a balcony sort of vibe and i was always a bit naughty and would throw the ice (laughs) down the balcony i remember those bits happening or people doing that yeah or throwing drinks and you had no idea what would land on you or you could feel some form of liquid but it wouldn't be until you got outside that you were like oh my god this liquid's bright blue and it's just stained my white dress yeah i would never throw my drink because Who's, Some twat. Who's did? Who's thrown away a good drink? But my eyes, I've got sensitive teeth, so I'd get rid of them. And I'd just looked, like to cause a bit of shit. Just chuck them. <laughs> basically. And then, you see, right, I never liked Rush. I hate Rush. I, I hate, hate Rush. Rush is like one of the clubs that's like open till, is it like four? It's one of the later ones. It's not the latest one. But everyone would go into Rush. Everyone would bloody queue for like 45 minutes. And the prices were never consistent. Sometimes it would be £2 entry, sometimes it would be £4 entry. But all people did, particularly when you were like aged, what? I would say, we'll say 18, even though there was people younger, but from like 18 to 22, all you did was go upstairs because the downstairs was never open. It was always the middle floor that was open. You'd go straight through. You'd either go to the bar and get a slushy or... You'd go straight outside to the smoking area. And yeah, I've got no was. idea why that became the thing for Rush, but you'd go outside to the smoking area rather than staying inside of the actual club yep. that you just paid to get in. Yeah, Rush is iconic for, one, as a woman being groped. It was the first place I was sexually assaulted. Yeah. 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 Not cool, guys. Not cool. So if you're going into Rush, don't do it anymore. Um, and second... They had slushies called Shag, which we all fucking loved ordering. So you'd go up to the bar and be like, can I have a Shag, please? And it was just... They were delicious drinks, though. They were were really good slushies, to be fair. It was like vodka slushy, I think, or something. But yeah, they all had different names. There was a Shag and there was like a slut. There was all different ones, weren't there? Yeah, part of me wants to say Sex on the Beach, but I don't think it was called that. I think one of the drinks was just like an icy Sex on the Beach, though. It definitely had a very similar flavour. Yeah. Yeah, they were good though. Good slushies, must admit. Um, and yeah, and then everyone would go out into the smoking area. But also, when you go out in Mansfield, it would be like, oh, who do I know? Sort of thing. Like, you'd go there just to see 
you'd be out with your mates, but then you'd probably see other people and like catch up with people from school, catch up mm. with people from wherever. And it just became like a social area in the smoking area. You wouldn't even be smoking, but you'd be in the smoking area just to, for the chat. And basically. it was definitely that point of a night where I would realise, like I said earlier, that I wasn't involved in this sense of community because I felt like I never went out there and actually saw anyone I knew. I'd be with someone who knew someone else and I'd feel like an absolute idiot, stood Mm. on the sidelines, shivering, inhaling secondhand smoke, which I absolutely despise the smell and taste of. Seriously questioning life. Yeah. Yeah. I had, like, mixed experiences with Rush. So... (laughs) At one point, there was like, oh, I love going out in Brush because I'd see like people, you know, that I used to be friends with that I don't see anymore. Great. And it was like a little social thing. And then there'd be the people you don't want to see. Mm. And you'd be like, fuck my life. Got to be not. Don't got to be asked with these people. Here's a question for you. If your school turned around and said we're having a school reunion, how likely would you be to go? I probably wouldn't go. Not going to lie. I've got like... I don't really, I'm not really in touch with many people from my actual school Mm. now. There's like a handful of people I would talk to um, and say they were going. I'd probably go just to be with them. Yeah. But I wouldn't go just, especially if like, if I'm busy and then I have to make plans, change my plans to make sure I can go, that's never going to happen. Yeah. But if I'm like, oh, I'm, I happen to be free and sit there going, I'd go along. Because why not? And I'd also just love to see what people look like now. Who's, yeah. Who's pregnant? Who's had kids? What are they doing? Like, I'm just a bit nosy, so I'd want to mm. know. want to know what they're doing. So, you say you're a goody two-shoes, in a way. Would you say goody two-shoes? I definitely was. Was, okay. Yes. So, when was your first ever, like, night out? Did you go when you were 18 and then go to Mansfield or yeah so I I never had I don't know if I can say it, the luxury um of being able to access a fake ID there was no okay. one that looked like me or no one that I knew enough who was older than me that I could get that from so and I looked younger my I mean I still look younger than what I actually am yeah, so. um so particularly when I was 18 I think I looked about 14 so there's no way that I would have been able to go on a night out without id um i remember the first time though that i got properly drunk i was 14 (laughs) was you on a park somewhere because that's classic mansfield yes yeah Um, of course you were i was with two girls in my class um one of them has unfortunately drinking was it lambrini no it was so we and i'll always remember we were sat outside um kind of like an off license okay. and everyone that came past um my friend would ask can you go alcohol? in the shop yeah and I don't think it took very long I think it was like the third person was a man and he got us the cheapest bottle of cider right Shushed, Not like, judged us away no it was definitely cider because I think we only had like three pounds between us um and it no was a practice jacks here no definitely not and it was a huge it was it was a huge bottle and we sat and drank it and at the time in Woodhouse there was there's an annual fair and the fair okay. was on and we went there and it was when we were there that we then bumped into some other friends from school and one of them I had known since I was like four years old and our mums were really good friends <gasps> so they were gonna drop you in it yeah he dropped me in it (gasps) and I remember turning around just I was sat on the wall and I was very much thinking I think this is what it means to be drunk and I remember turning around and clocking my mum's car (gasps) shit and he'd called her he'd called your mum yeah and so I had to get in the car (gasps) go home had your mum and go to bed no, she was quite like she did that kind of I'm disappointed in you oh, thing. Oh, the worst, the worst. But then she also made also made a point of getting my brother to tell my dad so that when I saw him the following weekend, I got a sit down talking to. Oh my god. And that and that was the, like 
the last time you had alcohol until you were then like 18 i'm assuming no we had like house parties and stuff um but there was never any i think there was one time that was the only other bad time and it was i was 17 and everyone had started going to the local pubs in what else and so it was very rare that you got id'd because i think a lot of it was at that time we were friends or like some people in our year were friends with the year above so there was a lot of intermingling even if it wasn't sort of i was a personal friend with anyone else but it just meant that our groups could go out at that younger age yeah and i got really drunk really quickly and i do remember at one point i was like my feet are hurting i'm just gonna sit down in the car park and I did, and someone took a photo of me or a video, and the way that it was made it look as though I'd passed out in this car park, which wasn't the case. I was completely conscious. Sleep. I was just having a little sit down because my feet sleep. were absolutely hurting. But then that got uploaded to social oh, media. Stop it. And that was when I got another sit down talking to um, oh, from my dad, which was awful. Um, because it was also the the thing about having divorced parents and essentially it being like every other weekend at my dad's. Mm-hmm. I was very much someone who tried so hard to be like the perfect epitome of a daughter because yeah. I felt really, I felt so much pressure yep. about having that sort of present but not present parent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that really gutted me. But I'll also remember as well that same night I'd walked in and I think my stepdad answered the door and he just sort of looked at me. Yeah. Opened the door and he moved out of the way and I walked straight through. So my front door's like at the front. Yeah. The kitchen's right at the back of the house, but it's like one long hallway and then you can literally just walk straight through to the kitchen and the sink yeah. is on the opposite side of the house, basically. I walked all the way through and he was behind me and he was like, are you going to be sick? And I was like, I think so. So I stumbled to the kitchen sink, threw up in the kitchen sink. Yeah. I turned around and he just went, I think you should go to bed. I was like, yes, I think I should. Oh, God. And, and I had work tr- the next day. Were you in day. trouble? No, I think at that point, particularly with, obviously I got the talking to from my dad, but with my with my mum and my stepdad, I think it was very much a case of adolescence. Yeah. They knew that these things would happen and they very much saw it, or my stepdad very much saw it as like, you will learn without telling off because you feeling rough you regret it yeah that is the best learning that he could have given me at that point yeah but he was also in that weird position of not really wanting to discipline but also wanting to it was a very he was like looking at you parenting situation yeah (laughs) you look rough yeah oh man you see i i feel like coming from mansfield that was often a lot of it can't even speak um that was often what happened you would go to house parties or you would go to like for some reason we just went and got drunk on the park yeah like it's the idea of i don't know if it still happens now i'm not in touch with many teenagers um so i don't know if it does still happen now but that was a real coming of age it was something that was almost expected of you yeah but it's also something that i don't regret because actually the moment that you turned 18 and could go into town yourself because you could legally drink alcohol the fun suddenly disappeared from it yeah i have such fond memories of house parties from the ages of being like well yeah from being 16 and 17 the house parties that happened in those two years yeah i thought were great and but i look at 16 17 year olds now and think oh my god are you going to house parties like i know full well that the moment i have a child and they turn 16, 17, and I am very aware that they're going to house parties. I'm going to be in such a sort of moral dilemma, thinking I had fun at that age. I mm-hmm. would have hated my mum stopping me from going. And I also have some of the best memories of those nights. Yeah. But at the same time, you are very young to be oh God, drinking yeah. and and there. But if that was the case, I think I'd prefer it to be house parties. And yeah, I would just make sure that safer, I knew... Really. yeah where they were, what time the parents had be coming in. Yeah. Because I think that was something, particularly with a lot of our friends, because the parents were okay with it, it always did feel safer because you always felt like someone was going to look out for you. Yeah. It was always the same people having house parties as well, wasn't it? Yeah. I I had a few house parties, but it, I wasn't like the prime location. Mm-hmm. My, my, my friend, who I'm still actually really good friends with, she 
the one that I would go to the reunion with. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was the one that used to have all the house parties, to be fair. Um, and I just remember drinking Lambrini. I couldn't drink it now. But you did. You just sort of drunk alcohol just to get wasted. And mm. the amount of times that I was on a random park camping and, oh my gosh, like in McDonald's at 6am. Whereas now, I couldn't think of anything worse. I want to be in bed by 10. Reminiscing. Yeah, literally reminiscing. Okay, so we're going to move the conversation on now. And so me and Jessie are both two single females living in London in your mid-twenties. And what the fuck is happening? Is is the honest truth. What the fuck is happening? No one gives you a manual. No one tells you what to do when you get in your twenties. And yeah, you really can just do what the fuck you want. Um, so I know that I'm dating sort of thing at the minute, but I'm not looking for anything that's like commitment wise and I th- are you the same yeah it's Just exploring I feel like the dating scene post-covid in the internet world or the I guess the the technology that we have now I feel like the dating scene is just very much online and I can't stand it you can't stand it no I have got no patience for tedious conversation and I feel like a lot of the time the messages that come through are just sort of they're hearsay or they're they're tapping and there's just no there's almost too much choice as well so that when you're I guess swiping people are like oh yeah that's fine but then they're also like oh yeah there's something else like I miss the time and it's I'm saying I miss the time but I never experienced the time but the idea of you'd meet someone and you'd actually put the effort into that because meeting someone and having a connection in person would be very rare there's almost the idea of having so much choice means that no effort gets made anymore. Oh, it's so true. And I think with text messages and like online conversation, it can all be really false. Yeah. And I just haven't got time for it. I get bored of it. I'm like, yeah. no, where just if you genuinely like the look of me, where's the message to be like, hey, don't like doing the texting thing. Can we go out for a drink? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the dating scene now, like even though I'm not looking for commitment and stuff, like they're just there isn't a manual there is everyone's free for all no one needs to commit and it's just no one really knows what to do and I'm the sort of person like if you're just looking for something short term cool if you're looking for long term cool like just communicate that Mm. whereas I feel um me particularly when I'm like you know going on dates with men they just sometimes sort of say what you want to hear and I'm like don't tell me what I want to hear like you don't know what I want to hear I actually I'm not looking for a commitment right now so mm. you either real, don't try and act like a boyfriend but then say you don't want a commitment because just say that from the beginning and I'd yeah. be like okay cool that's where we're at I think you get two types of men that are after a hookup you get the ones that do what you've just said and do the whole wine and dine because they think it's the only way that you'll actually get into bed with them or you get the people on the opposite side who because women are very much owning their own sexual pleasure and their sexuality and the idea of sleeping around for a woman being a bad thing because that's now disappearing you get the horrible toxic masculine men that are turning around and thinking that all women who own their own sexual pleasure are just an easy lay yeah and sexual pleasure let's be real let's be real here ladies we don't need a man no we generally do not need a man sometimes actually it's better without the man um because we we're in a wonderful day and age where vibrators are a thing and let me tell you if i could marry that vibrator i would Mm. it it does the job um it's always there for me grab it when i need to yeah I think the thing there, and that's as, as much as it's the idea of like, okay, this this vibrator is absolutely amazing. It's because it's giving you a tool to actually discover the ways that you like to be sensual with yourself and what it is you like and what works for your body. And so it's not mm-hmm. the tool itself. It's just knowing what gets you off. Yeah, and that's that's a point as well. Like I know sex education is all about you have a penis, you have a vagina, this is how babies are made but I find that you know young lads because they get morning glory they get you know 
hard on, all of those things, they then explore themselves sexually really young. Mm. Um, they find out about porn. They they basically learn about their sexual desires from probably like 13. Yeah. Whereas women, we we get our periods, but we don't, like, it's never really been that open to the fact that we can just go and please ourselves. Yeah. It's always... We're always sort of told you need a man to be pleased, but actually you don't. You no. really don't. Yeah, the concept of sex and what it means for, I guess, in terms of like a heterosexual cisgender relationship, it's very different imagery growing up that sometimes you can't help but get rid of. It's like you say, I think from 13 when you're going through puberty, men's desires or, yeah, and I will say desires, they're seen as desires, so they're encouraged to explore because they're a man, they get to impregnate women, that's Mm -hmm. their job, Mm -hmm. and the only way to do that is for them to spill their seed. (laughs) A woman woman doesn't have a seed to spill. If it was just actually termed an orgasm, then it'd be absolutely fine because women can orgasm too. Yeah. Um, And it's very much seen as, like you say, at that age then when puberty happens and you're talking about sex and intercourse, it is very much seen as man equals pleasure, women equals periods, uterus, babies. Yeah, and and I think as well, like a lot of women think to get off, they need a penis, but that's not true. Like we, all of our bodies are so different. Mm-hmm. And we all enjoy completely different things. Like, some people like penetration. Some people don't like penetration as much. Like, you've really just got to learn about your body and know what actually you enjoy. Because yes. I just feel like everyone is so different. But that's why I'm also such an advocate for a woman exploring her own sexual pleasure. Yeah, because same. if you don't know, how on earth are you going to expect a partner to know? Yes, And if you're with someone who also happens to have a vagina, they have some semblance because they have the same anatomy as you. Mm -hmm. So actually, you probably don't need to tell them. Or if you do, they have a better idea. But for someone who's only ever played with their own anatomy, i.e. a boy having a wank in his bedroom once a week, the only form of explorative pleasure he's got is his own. Yeah. He, yeah. he can't know what to do with a woman. He's probably watched porn. He's probably heard it from an yeah. older sibling. But no one's turned around and said, okay, this is what you need to do to a woman. This is this point, this point, this point. Their erogenous zones are here, here, and here. This is the process that you need to do. And I'm very much as well, I think the way that it's been termed for men, or at least the way that I always viewed it, which then had a massive impact on me when I was first becoming sexually active, mm-hmm was very much a case of foreplay makes a woman come. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You get to come after she does. So it always feels like I was always in the mindset of thinking they are only doing this because they want to get themselves off. Yeah. Rather than yeah. it being that they enjoy the actual act of pleasing their woman. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so true. Different sexual partners some of them get off from pleasing you and some of them just want to be pleased. Mm. Um, And no one teaches you how to have a sexual conversation. No. No one. No. It's always a taboo subject, which is why I'm like, let's bring it up on here, let's talk about it, because... it's Yeah, it's not a conversation you can sit down and have. Like, by all means, you have to have the birds and the bees talk, but even then, there's no sit-down conversation you can have with your parents about how to turn a woman on or how to turn a man on. Yeah, and it feels weird. And actually, like, it it shouldn't be because you learn a lot from your parents, Mm. but there is such a stigma attached attached to the idea of, like, parents and sexual conversation with children that actually it should just be something that's more normal, normalised. Not in the sense that... I'm not saying with adults, obviously. I'm saying with your parents because your parents are the ones that you should be able to trust and you should be able to sit down and have these conversations because actually you're only going to learn things about adulthood from the adults that you trust and that should be parents or guardians right yeah it totally should be but the thing is why is it so joking jokingly what's i don't know what the right word is but 
why is it so like fun to be like haha lads wank da, 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 da. but if you hear about a girl wanking it's completely different i think it's the idea of it happening now is very different like i can have conversations about masturbating and it's fine because you know what we're grown-ups we're mature yeah. but the idea of being younger and being trapped in those stereotypes and that's where the conscious sort of gender stereotypes get built it is in that adolescent stage i think between the ages of like 12 and 18 that that's where the norms come in and that's where you have the kids questioning their gender their sexuality whether they can be open because there is so much i guess bullying and teasing attached to the entire concept of it oh, yeah like at school it was like a competition to who who could lose their virginity i don't yeah what the hell that's so weird yeah why why do we do that i don't know if it still goes on i hope it doesn't but i remember there being like a, a bit of a competition between who lost it first and mm -hmm. Now I like think back at that. I'm like, ooh, that's weird. Like, yeah. Why do, ooh, why do we do that? It makes me feel a bit strange. See, the thing that also people don't seem to realise is that the idea of virginity is a man-made concept. It's so true. All it is, like, virginity isn't something you can give or take. It doesn't exist. It's a man-made construct. The only yeah. difference there is that you do have to have a first sexual experience, but it's only the same as a first kiss. There's yeah. no stigma attached to the idea of a first kiss there. But first there's so much. Yeah, but there's so much stigma attached to your first experience. Yeah. And I think that's how it should be deemed. Like, you're not losing your virginity. No one's taking your virginity. Oh, you're just... Your cherry, as we yeah, like to say. You're just sharing a first sexual experience. Although, technically, the popping the cherry thing comes from... Because when women have their first, well, sexual penetration, we bleed. I mean, I did. Did you? Yeah, I did. But yeah. there's also, I, because the idea of a hymen, but not everyone has a hymen. And because there's so much stigma attached to the idea of like, you're not a virgin unless you bleed as well, or you that proves that you've been a virgin. Mm -hmm. Some people get bogged down by that because like you say, not everyone has a hymen. If you horse ride as a kid, you break your hymen on the back of a horse. Do you really? Yeah, because your legs are spread and it's like, um, you're obviously on the saddle. And so it's the idea, because it's, it's, um, it's an impact it's not it very a sexual thing um wow. but it's the same as well it's like i was very worried the first time i had sex because of that because i actually i actually broke my hymen masturbating when i was 17 really yeah wow i was like because it was i didn't i didn't masturbate or anything until i was 17 i was very i wasn't bothered about it when i was younger mm -hmm. um and yeah, I just remember ended up with blood on my fingers and I was oh like gosh. really then worried that the first time that I like then would have sex with a man, mm. I was really worried that they think I was lying about being a virgin because it, there was a likelihood that I wouldn't bleed. Yeah, yeah, mid question. And that was so wrong to have that idea. So yeah. wrong. And what does it matter to them? It didn't matter. It was yeah. never a thing. It was just, yeah. And I also think the the concept of virginity is a very heterosexual thing as well. Yes. Because yes. that's the only way, I guess, I guess your traditional penetration happens. But if you're a gay woman and your only sexual experiences are going to be with a woman and there is going to be no penetration, mm -hmm. like, yeah. she's still technically lost her virginity because she's had a first sexual experience and that's yeah. why i think the term of virginity should just disappear a spring awakening yeah it say. should just be put in the old man's dictionary and shut and never come back i think old it should definitely dictionary. be <laughs> it should definitely be something that's exchanged for first sexual experience because i think that's more yeah. empowering as well can you remember the people in school that would be like oh my god they shoved their hairbrush up their vagina or they got a snow globe up there like where where did that shit come from i don't know <laughs> and it went around i remember there was a video that went around and i never saw it thank god but there was this video going around of this girl that was getting her dog to mount her from behind oh my god yeah yeah weird absolutely um, weird i remember seeing a video where a fish was giving a guy a blowjob like what, what? Yeah. Oh, there was also another one of a man getting fucked by a horse. Oh, yep, I remember that and one. And I think awful, it literally, because awful. a horse dick is huge. fucking huge, that it and literally it went it in him, and, like, he just collapsed on the floor. Oh, my God. Why do people do this? I don't know. Fucking weird, but yeah. 
Okay, so it's horoscope time. So we are recording this. It's the 29th of January. So let's see what my uh, horoscope says. So it says, some wonderful new developments could take place in your community. You might meet some new people who come, who, sorry, who move in nearby. New businesses could also arrive and give a whole new look to the area. You could spend a lot of time visiting others to learn about what's happening. You might also consider fixing up your home as your recent success has made that possible. You will be busy all day. Absolutely not. Bullshit. Um, I actually went back to Mansfield, went to my brother's vegan restaurant, Big Up, Vegged in Chesterfield, um, and then had a nap, did a food shop, drove back to London. Did you notice if any new businesses had opened up near your brother's restaurant? particularly i mean i went to my brother's restaurant it's quite new and i had vegan breakfast but that was about it really but yeah no new businesses um other than trying to do my own new business for the valentine's event so that's about it really but yeah let's see what jesse's horoscope is okay here it is money that has come your way unexpectedly might have you thinking in terms of expanding your personal interests and holdings. You might consider trying some new investments, particularly property. There's no need to rush to make a decision. However, you have all the time in the world to consider different options and have some fun while you do it. I think this would have been more relevant last week. I think it's oh, a week, week out of date. Are you trying to... You're trying to buy a new house i'm thinking of buying property that's what i'm saving up for but i definitely haven't had a windfall so the idea of coming into new money is absolute bullshit yeah. even though i wouldn't want it to be bullshit i'd absolutely love some more money in my pocket unless unless you go out tonight to put the bin out it's not even the tu- it's not even the right day for it but you know there could be a whole load of cash on the floor there could be here's That'd hoping be that'd be great so rest is bullshit yeah there you go guys a bit of a bullshit horoscope okay and that is the end of this week's bonus episode with my amazing guest jesse thank you jesse thank you for having me absolutely and there will be more bonus episodes where i bring in more guests you know opening the conversation talking about different things talking about dating funny stories my particular favorite today was jesse Uh, being drunk in a car park and having a little snooze that was my favorite i didn't snooze (laughs) this is what we've established yes so there will be more and keep listening keep sharing keep following and i will talk to you guys again next week have a great week guys bye bad beat